Glory, glory, Sacramento. Hello and welcome to the 916 Republic podcast. I'm your host, Nolan. I've begun law school this fall, and due to time constraints, I've been unable to join the boys to record on Mondays. However, I was fortunate enough to have been at the game on Saturday when Sacramento hosted Reno 1868 in one of the most important games of this regular season. The game had it all. Two of the best teams in the USL at each other's throats for 95 minutes. And while it ended 3-all, leaving many of the Sacramento loyal feeling let down, I found myself coming away with three highlights from the game that I'd like to share with everyone, ranked in order from third most amazing to first most amazing. The third most memorable moment of the night occurred when Corey Herzog, Reno's ice-cold killer in the box who scored over 20 goals in the 2019 USL campaign, came off in the second half. Reno's medical staff were there handing water bottles and Gatorade to each player who was coming off the field. I watched as Herzog politely declined the red Gatorade that the medical staff had prepared for him. Then he walked over to the team coolers, pulled out a blue Gatorade, and sat down on the bench drinking the blue Gatorade and recovering from the 70 or so minutes he had played. I remember just thinking, wow, Corey Herzog does not like red Gatorade. The man is a full-blown professional athlete, but is still pickier than a six-year-old playing in a city rec league. That is awesome. Continuing the theme of notable food and beverages, the second most amazing thing that happened on the night has to do with Republic's very own president and COO, Ben Gumpert. As Zach, Scott, and I waited in the stands for the post-match press conference to begin, Ben Gumpert strolled around the stadium with a snack-sized bag of rainbow goldfish in one hand and a half-empty Modelo in the other. The man already has so much swagger about him, but that really put him over the top in my book. I appreciated Ben's snack of choice so much that I bought Modellos and rainbow goldfish and brought them to Scott's NFL watch party the next day. I would highly recommend But the most memorable moment of the match for me had to be watching Sam Werner finally get on the score sheet for Sacramento. Really, it was more watching Scott react to Sam getting on the score sheet that was so amazing. Scott had been taking some heat on Twitter for sticking up for Sam despite his lack of attacking output this season. He's been quick to bring attention to the fact that Sam has created many big chances that Sacramento's forwards have simply failed to convert. For his faithful and clear-headed analysis, Scott has been accused on Twitter of being a Stanford elitist snob. As Carlton Belmar dribbled down, dribbled down the right side of Re- in Reno's defensive third, I could only hear Scott gently and sweetly whisper, Come on, Sam. Come on, Sam. Urging him to run into the space left wide open by Reno's high defensive line. I watched as Carlton whipped in across for Werner, who, as if he knew the seriousness of the Twitter disses Scott had faced, headed home to bring the game level. In a rare moment of expressive passion, I watched as Scott rose out of his seat and quietly applauded the Sacramento forward. Sweet Twitter redemption had taken place before my very eyes, and it was glorious. In all seriousness, though, it was a really great week of soccer for the, for the Republic, and I'm excited to listen, along with the rest of you, as Scott and Zach break down the games against Orange County and Reno. Glory, glory, Sacramento! Hello, and welcome to the 916 Republic podcast. I am your host, Zach, joined here by the lovely Scott Waits. How are you doing today, Scott? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. It's been uh, a nice Monday, watched some football yesterday, had the boys yes. over, uh, made some made some food. 
um, you know, it, it's been a good weekend. How yeah, about you? Premier League's back. NFL's back. Fantasy football's back. Um, I had an eventful uh, weekend on the couch. Okay. Uh, which was nice. It was real nice. Um, because you watched a lot of sports. Watched a ton of soccer and a ton of NFL football. So, yep. yeah, no, I was happy. Uh, and uh, and uh, some more uh, Monday Night Football tonight that I'll go yeah. watch after this. Actually, there's a game going on right now. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger's return. Yep. So, I know this isn't a fantasy football podcast, but we could probably talk <laughs> just as much fantasy football oh, as oh, we could. 100%. Yeah. I've thought about it. Yeah. I, anyway. Well, <laughs> let's get back to this podcast. Yes. Um, let's just, just jump in right into the news because we have two games to talk about and uh-huh. a Tacoma game that we want to touch yeah, on briefly. Briefly, yeah. Um, so first bit of news, Frank Lopez mm-hmm. signed like the day after we finished recording a yep. show, which tends to always happen. I Thank know. you for that, Zach Republic. <laughs> yep. Um, forward from, I'm sorry, Oklahoma City Energy. Before that, before Los that, Dos. Yeah, before that, Los Dos. He also was on loan from Los Dos with yep. San Antonio. Uh, on the face of it, you look at his history and go, oh, he scored yeah. a lot of goals with Los Dos. And He's, he had a, yes. a season where he scored 14 goals with San Antonio. And, you know, it was just a bad fit on a bad team with Oklahoma City. Uh, might be true because they suck. Yeah. Um, they've only scored like seven goals this year. Um, I don't think he's gonna do a lot (laughs) one because there's four games left of the regular season yeah very true uh and two he was the like the second or third choice forward for a team that only scored seven goals that's not been good what does that tell you it's not a good sign at the very least not a good sign and san antonio last year was actually pretty good they just missed out on the playoffs if my memory serves but they were good i think he will fit okay in the sacramento system he he's gonna be good at the press once he picks it up yeah i agree um and if he can come in with some confidence then maybe we'll have a forward that can finish yeah which is huge right now i I think that's the upside is like okay well we 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 can't change cameron wasa's scenery and have him score for us you know like we can only do one or the other right um so if you say okay well we'll bring in a forward that has scored goals in the past that maybe just needs that change of scenery Mm -hmm then who knows maybe he works out yeah that's i think that's really it he's he's at this point a backup now a backup for who is something we'll talk about later on in the show that's a good point um and uh, just last quick thing which we'll hit on uh, more in a minute but bjev's goal against orange county uh, is up for goal of the week nomination so we'll see it will not win but it it is up there you know it probably won't (laughs) It was a good goal, it and was, again, we'll it, talk about it. It a crucial moment in the game. Right, we'll talk about it here uh, in a minute. Zach, do you have anything else to add on, on these two guys? Anything uh, European soccer you watched that you, you want to talk about? Anything? Oh, I mean, European soccer's back. Um, we have uh, our man Weston McKinney uh, started in a friendly for Juve, mm-hmm. which is exciting. It was kind of a mixed bag of, of new guys and perennial starters in that uh friendly it was his first game with ronaldo i think ronaldo started in that game I mean, as well gosh that's gotta be so yeah. cool yeah <laughs> um so that that's good to see um another good thing on the u.s men's national team radar as we hopefully head into meaningful games within a year we'll see with yeah. covid um but yeah let's just let's get into this uh oc review yeah okay so 
honestly, after this game Wednesday, like Thursday morning, I'm thinking like, okay, what am I going to want to hit on yeah. uh, for this show on Monday? And I was like, uh, in my head, I was thinking, this is going to be a very important game to talk about. There's a lot of things that happened here. Uh, you know, there was, yeah. uh, you know, some a, a tumultuous period, but then Sacramento was able to pull it out. And I'm, I'm not saying the score yet, but <laughs> um, honestly, I, I think this game on Wednesday set a stage, set a platform contextually for what happened on Saturday against Reno, which Zach is going to talk about. That's kind of how we're splitting up this show. I'm doing yeah. OC and Zach's taking the bulk for Reno. So I just kind of want to preface this with everything that we're going to talk about here in the next probably about 10 minutes for OC. Keep that in mind because it has a huge effect on the Reno game, in, in my opinion. So um, first, I think the, the first thing I want to hit on is the score. Okay, here, here we go. The score is 2-1 to one to Sacramento. Yep. Um, goals for uh, Orange County was like the fifth minute. Um, Shauna Coley. Another quick one, yep. Yeah, very quick goal. We'll talk about that in a second. And then Sacramento uh, scores, I believe, in the 78th and then in the 87th again, or the 88th, something like that. So late goals for Sacramento. Very eventful game. Uh, I'm very... I'm I'm happy I was able to go. I was supposed to be on a trip. So uh, if you're like, oh Scott, last episode I said I was yeah. going to be gone and I wasn't going to be able to go to these games. But psych, soccer's more important. But well, <laughs> more like there was fires and the place that yeah. I was supposed to go to called on Wednesday morning and was like, hey, don't come. You might be able to come on Thursday. And I was like, oh okay, cool. And then they called like two hours later and we're like, actually, we're getting evacuated. Oh my god. So like overnight, like Tuesday to Wednesday morning, like overnight a fire started. So that's California right now for yep. you. Um, and it's, it sucks, but good things happened because of it. So, um, I'm at this game and in the fifth minute, we'll just hop into this goal and then we'll kind of move on. Cause it happens early on. Uh, there's a cross, it's kind of cleared out. And then, um, Mahoney tries to win this, a second clearance, like jumping over the back of, uh, the OC forward and doesn't get there. Hmm. And, um, Roro comes up and tries to play the ball back. Uh, this is inside the box. He tries to pass the ball back to uh, Sargis, but Sargis had taken a couple steps backward and like to his left. So like kind of away from where the ball and the players were to be an outlet for a pass, I think. It's a miscommunication. But Roro, I think, was looking up and didn't see Sargis move. So he plays a, a, a softer pass to where Sargis was and not two yards away where he actually ended up being. And because there was that gap, Sargis has to take a big lunging step and he just doesn't meet the ball before Sean Coley, the guy who um, Mahoney was trying to jump over his back of, before Sean Coley is able to kind of slide tackle in and get a shot off um, and put it far. It, it was actually a great goal considering the level of di difficulty for his shot. Um, at first, I wanted to point my fingers at Roro, and then I was just kind of like, ah, uh, I don't know. Like, Mahoney didn't win a header, uh, and if he wins that header, this probably doesn't happen. We're not talking about this. Um, yeah. If if Sargis maybe, instead of going back into the left, if he just goes back, maybe this, well. yeah, maybe this isn't a problem. Um, or, you know, maybe if Rafa is in, I don't know if he could have been in a better spot. I really don't think so. But I don't think so either. Just hypothetically, like maybe he's in a different spot, not better or worse, just different. And this ball is like, I think there's a few factors that kind of played into this. 
Um, so I don't think we can just look at row row and say, oh, bad pass. I think you kind of have to look at all parties involved and say, well, maybe each person played a little piece. And really, that's honestly because this first half for Sacramento was pretty flat. Uh, it, it, Which has been, unfortunately, kind of typical. Yeah, exactly. Like like we said last episode, go back and listen to the last episodes. It's it's the same thing. Like yeah. You have to same actually narrative. go back two or three episodes now to hear actual good analysis of what we're talking about. But it was kind of the same thing. It was missed chances and it was um, lackluster moments by players yeah. at times. We just seemed to kind of shut off a little bit. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know what? We'll get through this game and, and coast. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have that one opportunity where we'll score and we have a good defense and that's kind of going to be it. And honestly, uh, the yeah, Sacramento conceded a goal, but the biggest moment for this first half that stood out to me was Cameron Awasa's miss. Mm. Um okay, so again. this this Yet was about again, the 30 we are. 35th minute. Um and I'll let Zach actually talk about the shot because I think he, uh, it, it was either you or Nolan. Maybe, okay, maybe it was Nolan. Zach's looking at me like, uh, I didn't really have I'm, try, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> okay, well, I'll explain it and it'll come back to you. So, Oh, oh, this was in the, so this was it, like this in is, the box, right? Like in, the, in the six yard box. Wasn't it like a little tap? Is that what we're talking about? No, that was a few games ago. Okay. okay. So uh, this is Orange County has the ball in their final third and uh, like the center mid kind of drops back a little bit and tries to play a pass it's either back to the goalie or back to a center back, but it's like straight down the middle of the field. And it literally, he literally passes it right to Cameron. Oh, okay. And Cam just like takes three or four touches. Yeah. And tries to, he basically tries to pass it to the right of the goalie. Yeah. And it just hits the goalie right in his foot. I mean, I don't know that there's much to talk about other than like, it's frustrating because we've seen this so many times. The man doesn't shoot. He passes. Yeah. He just, that's what he, he doesn't shoot. He passes the ball into the net, or he at least attempts to pass the ball into the net. Um, in every area of his game, whether he's whether it's a set piece, whether he's close, whether he's at the top of the eighteen, if, if he's taking a penalty, he's still even when he's taking a penalty, he's trying to pass the ball into the net. Um, and again, that happens here. It's easy for the goalie to read. We have a stop. No goal. Yeah, and we were talking with some of the other media that were there, um, and the the general consensus was uh, obviously he's not on form but if you are on form as a as a striker as a forward you generally shoot where the space is right so if the space is near post like bjev's goal in the second half yeah you take the near post if it's far post you take the far post if you have to shoot high you shoot high the space here was over the keeper i mean the the keeper aaron savantes got very low to the ground if this is an in-form forward I think this ball is not truly chipped as in like it's it's a high arcing shot, but it's more like uh, those kind of shots where that we see where it goes over the goalie's, you know, body about a yard off the ground, right? It's kind of that shot. So it still goes maybe to the right where Cam shot it, but instead of being on the ground, he lifts it up about a yard yeah. There's and some puts lift, it over yeah. the goalie. It's just It's just that instinctual finishing. Like it's, I mean, it's kind of an intangible, and we haven't seen it from Cam in a while for this season. Yeah, and the only reason we're really talking about this as in depth is because yeah. Fast forward to the second half, there's a change right off the bat. We thought initially it was going to be Belmar for Bijev because Bijev was standing right on the sideline, but actually he was just getting ready for the kickoff. Yeah. The change 
had already been made. Cam never went back on the field in the second half. Belmar came on for him. And uh, we looked at I him. I see where you're going now. We looked I wasn't at sure Cam. you were going to go with the whole foreshadowing in this game, but now now I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, gotcha. we look at Cam, and he's sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. Oh. Far end of the bench. Looks, right. Looking pretty defeated. Oh, my. Yeah, hands crossed. Well, he looked like he was trying to hold it in, and he was just, like, pretty defeated. Yeah. It, it, it was like he knew that was his last this chance. Is a big, this is a big moment. He yeah. needed to score that one, and he didn't. And I remember even looking at him during the game, just be like he kind of like had a little head shake, being like, oh, "I missed it. Like that was it. Like I'm if I don't get another chance this half, like I think I'm getting pulled." Yeah. And I mean, Briggs was pissed as well. Like I think everyone, like we in the fan, like I, in the stands, I think we knew too. Like, oh, that's it. Like yeah. he's done. So Belmar comes on in the second half. Uh, and honestly, I. I think Belmar, on the, like this episode, on on other podcasts, because of the play that he had in this game, and also on Saturday, he's going to get a lot of praise. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he didn't do anything that was like revolutionary. Mm-hmm. I think he just did what like a normal forward is supposed to do. Like now that I have uh, three halves of Belmar compared to all of the halves of Cam this year. Like, yeah. I really noticed how much Cam doesn't move. Yeah. yeah so, Belmar comes point. on, and unfortunately for him, we only got 10 minutes of him actually playing with 11 guys. But I think immediately it was like, oh, wow, this guy moves a lot. Like, he comes back for the ball, and he's um, he's yelling. Like, he's he wants the ball. He's trying to make some things happen. But unfortunately, in about the 58th minute, Whew, Roro gets a red, and we do need to spend some time talking about this red card because, again, kind of like the first half, I don't think we can put all the blame just on Roro. I think there are a few people involved. Now, Drew Skundrick had moved into the box. Bijev was forward as well. Roro is forward as well. That's all three of your midfielders. Your forwards, your wingers, they're all up, right? This is an attacking play. It doesn't really matter how we got there, but they're all there. Yeah. Unfortunately, no goal is scored. And the And a counter presents itself for OC. Right. A very a very bad counter. Yeah, because now not open space. Fullbacks are up. everybody's up. Everybody's basically. up. Yep. The center backs are in It's a perfect storm for a bad counter goal. Yeah. With a team in, in Orange County that we said scores off to the counter. counter. Yes. So Roro knows he has to foul. Uh-huh. I hear Briggs on the sideline say, not very loudly, but he says foul. Yeah. I don't think Roro could have heard him, but I heard I heard it on the sideline. Yeah. Something I actually heard uh, we heard this weekend with Reno as well. It was in the second half. He Briggs at one point kind of says, "Oh, we need to foul here." Yeah. This was this was Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it happens. Yeah. yeah. So Sometimes you're was, put in a position where it has to happen. So with this counter, fouling was the right decision. Roro makes the right decision. Yep. He comes kind of from behind uh the the yeah. player with the ball and fouls him. Yeah. Uh and I want to describe this a little bit. His left leg hits the player first. So he's mm. imagine if, shin. Yep. imagine if you're facing Roro. Like right now I'm I'm facing Zach. Zach's uh kind of left leg out in front of his body hits the player's hit hits me first. Yeah. In the shin. And yep. then Zach takes his right leg and cleans me out. 
right? So the first the yeah. first contact with the shin, that's already a foul. Yeah. You were already hitting the player. He yes. was already going down. Fair. The excessive part that is the red yeah. is the leg coming and sweeping out the rest of the player. No contact with the ball is made. Really, there was not that, not an attempt to play the ball. Mm-hmm. So people, uh, there were some people saying, well, why is this a, a red? Why isn't it just a yellow? Yeah. I, I think now people on second watch go, okay, that is a red. Yeah. I just wanted to explain that because that is the excessive part. Yeah, and Roro's not the type of player to to come out and start hacking at people's shins. He was put in a difficult moment where he had to foul, um, and unfortunately he was a bit excessive with it. Um, and so, yeah, he ends up with a red card and we're down a man. Yeah, and I don't, again, we have to take into consideration the whole team, right? If this yeah. somehow, uh, if this attacking play comes off and is scored, there's no need to foul because it's a goal. Yeah. Um, or even if it's just a shot gets off and the goalie saves it, still it's a now the goalie has the ball. There's no need to yeah. foul. So uh, I think we have to take that into consideration a little bit there. If if Bijev rotates back or if somebody rotates to fill that space that the that Roro and Skundrick uh, vacated by moving forward. There's no need for Roro to foul because there's a player there. So we have to take that into consideration as well. Um, I I also think that we need to maybe take consideration the first half and how Roro looked. And I don't mean like his performance. I mean body language, mm. right? We just talked about Cam's body language on the sideline. Roro, I noticed was he was frustrated. I think Yeah. the defense has done well this season. The midfielders have done well this season. Goaltending like, has been phenomenal. Yeah. Like the central midfielders, I mean, have done well yeah. this season, but finishing hasn't been there. So Cam misses a chance. Um, yeah. We get uh, scored on early yeah, off of a- same uh, narrative. Yep, yeah. Yep. Off of a, a, a defensive lapse, a team lapse, whatever. Yeah. In the first, what, five minutes or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think Roro might've just been a bit frustrated. So then when there's a red card- when he's not intending to hurt someone, right? He's he's simply doing he's he thinks he's committing a professional foul, which it was. It, it was a professional yeah. foul. That's what they're called. It happens every game. So I don't think you can just lump blame solely on Roro here. I think the the entire season narrative kind of goes into this. Play it almost a really bit. does because yeah. I think <laughs> I think between Roro and Skundrick and Andrew Wheeler Amenu and uh, now Jaime Villarreal. The the number sixes and the number eights, those those four guys, they've all played very well. Yeah. And I think after a while you start to look around and go, Yeah, I'm doing my job. Well, and at the beginning of the season, we sat here and talked about all the weapons that we were gonna have up front. The worry was the back line. Um, especially when we went down a fullback, a starting fullback. Um, really two starting fullbacks because Shannon yeah, Gomez Shannon was already Gomez hurt was also, and then Barahona got hurt. Yeah, and and Barahona's out the whole year. And Sargis is our, you know, 17-year-old kid. And the back line has been strong. And then we lose our starting goalie. And we lose our starting goalie. And Rafa comes in and is just as strong, if not more. I mean, he's been stellar, in my opinion. Um, and what has been touted as so good has not been. You know, the front line, mm-hmm. the front f- four... I guess you could say yeah. in a four-two-three-one is what we typically play. The front four is what is what has struggled. So yeah, that narrative is, I think, goes into that red card. Um, 
But then after that red card, it seemed like a bit of a wake up call. Yeah, it was. I, I think Jordan McCrary's uh, comment in the the post game was something like, um, <coughs> "Excuse me, it was it was something like, um, we can't wait to get punched in the mouth to react." Um, yeah, and, yeah, and then it was also something along the lines of like, um, they poked the bear. Orange County was playing a little bit physical, especially with Jordan McCrary. Um, and there was something like they also poked the bear and, you know, they like the bear awoke. And you finally know, the thing. bear woke up. Yeah. The bear, the indomitable bear stopped its hibernation. Yeah. So um, Robo goes out in the 58th. Again, the whole context around that at this point, we're in the game. So that doesn't matter. What matters is you're down a man. So tactically, yeah. really quick, what happens is Formella on the left moves in and kind of plays a bit more centrally basically um the team switch switches to like a 4-4-1 right so belmar is the four normally 11 players 4-4-1-1 now you just have the one so you can't press which is huge for sacramento right like all of a sudden you go from your identity being okay we're gonna press we're gonna press we're gonna press we're gonna win the ball back in the final third too we can't press <laughs> we have to we have to sit back we have to absorb yeah. pressure we have to not have as much of the ball um except Sacramento actually had a lot of possession. They had 68%. Why is that? Possession. Well, Jaime Villarreal comes on. I I can't remember the minute, but he comes on and I think he changes the game. Agreed. Um, so w- when he comes on, I I think he just offers the the safe, simple passing movement that we saw from him last season combined with the ability to make difficult passes in the final third uh, that led to him being the M- the team MVP last year. And he can also tackle and stuff like that. So Jaime Villarreal was, was great. I, I think um, when, uh, obviously when Roro gets the red, you go, oh man, what are we going to do against Reno? But after this game, you look at Jaime Villarreal's, it was about maybe 30-ish minutes. Um, and you go, Oh, okay. Like, maybe Villarreal will play and we'll be fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I think he sets up. He he actually sets up both goals. So, um, in the 78th minute, for Carlton Belmar shot that deflects off of Formella, who really didn't know anything about the goal. He like I think he saw Belmar taking a shot and tries to step back, like out of his way, and the ball hits like the outside of his ankle and goes in. Mm. Um, that's that's the goal in the 78th minute. But the guy who gets the ball to Belmar on the top of the box to shoot is Jaime, Jaime Villarreal, who had got, received the ball in a tight space in the box and just lays it Does what he does back. well. Yeah. Plays well in space and makes a simple pass well and, and can make that pass crisp. And then in the 78th, sorry, 87th, 88th minute, it's Jaime Villarreal at the top of the box, dribbling, trying to dribble past the player, can't quite get around him. Has an outside a pass with the outside of his right foot, in between great pass in between two Orange with County a players. Curl, oh, yep. it was a great pass that Bijev picks up in the box. That was not a simple pass. That was, that was a spectacular. Yes, pass. and Bijev picks up, sees the goalie kind of leaning toward the uh, far post, and yeah. sneaks it in near post, kisses yep. off the inside of the, the bar or the the post, and goes in. Uh-huh. Those are that's both Jaime Villarreal. That's big, bro. And I think this is maybe where uh, whoever has played the ten 
you know, they need a little bit of criticism because it's been a few people, right? It's been Roro at times. It's been Bijev at times. It's been Formella at times. Yeah. Uh, nobody has had quite that type of passing yet, both where it's I'm in a tight space and I'm just going to make the simple pass and where I'm in a tight space, but I'm going to make the hard pass. That That final ball on the ground has seemed to somewhat been lacking, but Jaime Villarreal comes in and has two of those. And what's cool is one is simple, which he does so well, and one is spectacular. I mean, and that's what I love about him too is his foundation, the core of who he is and how he plays is to make the simple pass, to play um, well under pressure, cool under pressure, and make a simple pass. But he's also shown the ability to play a spectacular pass and play it at the right time, in the right moment, um, with the right weight and touch. And, I mean, it's no surprise. He was, like you said, MVP last year. This is a very good player that we've not seen a whole lot of this season. Yeah, so in my eyes, he basically has two assists. But on the books, he has one assist. And Belmar has the other assist, which... Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me again. I'm getting so worked up over here. Um, (laughs) I'm not mad that Belmar actually is credited with that assist because I I think he deserves it. Like, Like... does he deserve the goal? Yeah, probably, but it's okay. Like, yeah. Formelli getting a goal against yeah. Tacoma is great. And it plays well into the narrative of the next review we have. Yes. Would you like to start that review, Yeah, Scott? just just really quickly, Zach. Um, yes. How, what, what do you think this win says about the team, said about the team? The OC win? Going, yes, going into Saturday's game. Like, what what, yeah. what did it, uh, what was the feel? It's it's a, well, I think the core of it, it's a feeling of, of hope. You know, we have played a bunch of bad teams. Well, we've played two bad teams over and over and over again. And that's tough. Like, mentally, it's tough to play bad teams with the expectation of we have to win. We're expected to win. If we win, that's what we're expected to do. You know what I mean? That's tough to do mentally. And so then to go into a game against OC, a team that's definitely contending for a playoff bid, a good team in, in their own right, um, to go in there, go down a man, one nothing, and to pull out three points in the last half hour of the game, that's huge. That's huge. And that not only is huge mentally, as far as the narrative of the season goes, that's huge on paper. That's huge in the standings because um, it, it tied us up with Reno for first in um, pool play a team that we're going to now play this week in a couple of days. We're going to play Reno, and we're tied with them now in the pool. Yeah, and I, I think it also goes into, uh, like, it's different being down against Portland or being tied with Portland yeah. and then winning 2-1 to one with late goals. It's You're supposed to. Then expected to, you know? Being already down against Orange County, a team that's been very good defensively yes, expect- and that have been exactly. picking it up offensively, it's a much different type of game. It's yeah. a much different type of feeling, much different challenge. result. Yeah. Larger challenge. Th- that that scenario. So I I think that builds a lot of confidence confidence exactly. in the team that's, and in a fan base. That's what I was going to say was like I think the confidence levels for Sacramento were much higher. Um and I think Briggs's comment was basically something like um you know, whatever you had in your head after Roro went out and we went down to 10 men that's the mentality you have to play with for 90 minutes if you want to win yeah, against exactly. Reno. Exactly, yeah. So now going into Great Reno. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This is like, part of me, is like, it's like a 
it's like a double-edged sword here. It's like part of me is like, yes, let's talk about this game. There's so many good talking points. And the other part of me is like, no. Exactly. It's so heartbreaking. Um, all right, so Reno Review. Let me give you a brief recap. I'll just go over brief summary of the game again for the millionth time. Start the game off. Two minutes into the game, we go down one nothing off of a set piece. Uh, silly foul, set piece, two minutes in. They score. Are you serious? That that same feeling comes up again. A couple minutes later, our man Sam Warner puts home a great goal. Not only does he put home a great goal, he gets the monkey off his back. Mm-hmm. This man hasn't scored this season. He's put together a lot of chances. He's struggled. You know, you can say this or that. It was huge for him to score. You could see it in his body yep. language. He finally, like, the, what makes Sam so good is his work ethic, his his drive. It, it, he can score. He's a good goal scorer. He can set up chances. He's very. He's got a great cross. But his work ethic, he brings a lot of energy. And that kind of extra pep in his step has kind of mis- been missing this season, and it was back after that goal. He got the monkey off his back, scored a goal, 1-1. Um, and I also think something with this goal, just to be noted, not not to you know interrupt you, is that it's, it's Belmar who has the hold-up play. Yes. That goes from centrally out to the right. Werner goes from the right in inside on a counter. And it's yeah. Belmar that has the cross into Sam's head who scores. A, a so it's great two cross. guys that haven't been scoring or assisting that exactly. do this in the like the fifth or sixth minute. Like yeah. it's, it's pretty early on to answer the early goal. Yeah. So I, I thought this, this goal was huge. And speaking of Belmar leading in, we're going to talk about him towards the end of this as well, more in depth. But again, Belmar, um, great hold up play in the 32nd minute and finds a streaking Formella on the far side of the pitch. I, I didn't even see him. He picks him out. Beautiful through ball. Um, and Formella has a wide open, a, a breakaway, um, and puts home the simple goal. What Awasa couldn't do against OC. Mm-hmm. Formella is able to just put put home the simple goal. We go up 2-1 into halftime. Things are looking. I, I turned to Scott at halftime, and I went, this is going to be an exciting half. Yeah, well, and not only that, like, that was probably that first half, in my opinion, was probably the best half Sacramento's yeah. played all season. Gosh, yes. And uh, that's even considering that they conceded an early goal off of a, a set piece. So I I, I really want to say, like, you should probably expect the lineup um, yeah. that you, you saw against Reno. That's probably going to be the lineup going forward. I mean... I think it has to be for a couple of different reasons, um, which I want kind of want to get into after this. Let me just kind of get sure, through sure. Um, the second half. I, I All I really wanted to say with that was like, yeah, again, Frank Lopez, don't think that just because he was brought in that he's going to somehow magically yeah, start. Fair. Like, no, I, I think Belmar in these past couple of games has not just done enough. Like he's done probably more than expected Yeah, on the chance creation side Yeah, to, to earn that starting spot just from honestly the the two halves yeah the half against orange county and the half against uh reno um, both i think both yeah, before you even get in the second half yeah, yeah yeah fair um and you might be asking yourself oh well we're almost into playoffs like we're still trying to figure it out like that's disappointing we've only played 12 games yeah this season and i remember paul buckle when he first started he, he was saying like it takes eight games to really figure out what you have in a team yeah 
So we're, we're barely out of that. Yeah. Um. So the fact that we're we're I feel like we finally found a coupling, like like a grouping up top that makes sense and plays to people's strengths. And yeah, I we're heading towards the end of the season, but it's only been twelve games. If we really can figure this out now, that can be huge coming into playoffs. Um, and again, we'll talk about why that is and, and the specific players that go into that a little more in depth. Heading into the second half, Reno scores in the 67th minute off a penalty, uh, somewhat argue a soft penalty. It was in my so I I did go back and watch the replay. It's one of those things where in soccer you force the referee to make a call and I don't know if if this was the right call or the wrong call in the, in the sense of like it was pretty 50-50 like hmm. I lean toward saying this should have been a no call and we'll talk about this more later it should have been a no call comparative to the how the game went yeah. refereeing wise yeah, it was uh, the this is the worst game i've seen called in years yeah so like i i'm not saying that it wasn't necessary it, it couldn't have been a, like <laughs> like g- the fact that it was a penalty i was like yeah. okay i see that yeah but just in the context of the rest of the game oh so many horrible calls like in the post match press conference um Oh, I think man. it was Alicia Rodriguez yeah. asked about the refereeing in the game, and Buckle goes, Buckle, <laughs> Briggs goes, <laughs> Coach Mark Briggs goes, kind of, he kind of uh, chuckles a little, and he goes, Alicia, trying to get me fined, aren't you? Yeah, and he hemmed and hawed for a while, and basically said not much at all, and and he, he did like, the best he could do and and then said alicia i'm gonna have to leave it at that and then he said i i am really having to bite my tongue right now i'm really having to bite my tongue yeah it was that bad and and, and it was both coaches both coaches were appalled at the the officiating well and you know maybe we'll just talk about it now because it wasn't just this game it was the oc game as well actually like the officiating i don't think was quite as bad but it was it was bad enough to go like Okay, like I'm, I'm remembering how bad it was, type uh, of thing. Okay, and then to come into that scenario, yeah. then to this game where it was like there was arguably three missed penalties, like yeah, multiple well, uh, handballs. Yeah, and there were multiple for Reno that weren't called as well. Like there it, was that's just what I'm saying across the board, so bad. There could the have Reno been... coach was sitting there yelling at the fourth. He literally at one point was like, "You need to go." You need to go take his job. Yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it, it, it was so bad. If there could have been a handball for Reno in, in the penalty yeah. box. There could have been a handball for Sack in the penalty box. Yeah. Uh, there could have been more yellows. There, so many, like, yeah. it, it was just bad. It, it was, was just, just bad. all around. Just He looked like he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, and in the first half, I I was trying to defend the ref, trying to say, like, you can't call every foul because then you're especially just con- against the rivalry yeah you're just going to be constantly blowing your whistle and we're never going to actually play the game exactly which happens sometimes like sometimes refs do that and then fans are upset because they're like well we never really got into a flow because there was so many stoppages Fair. but then on the other side if there you don't call enough yes then people just get away with things and, and it it goes against the integrity of the game so now we're looking at a game saying 
it ended 3-3, which we hadn't said the score yet, but it did end 3-3. Yeah. And both sides could probably be upset with that. Both sides could say, well, this game should have been, you know, 5-3 my way, or it should have been, you know, 4-2 my way, or whatever. And I think Reno's probably happier with the draw than Sacramento because they have the game in hand. But no no side is really happy with this. So I, I, we still have a whole other yeah. half to, to go into. Well, And so so that, that penalty is scored. But again, a great response. Five minutes later, Jaime Villarreal off a, a corner, um, bounces around a little bit in the box. It falls to Kamawasa. Uh, he just taps it up to the top of the 18 for Jaime Villarreal. Jaime puts away a great goal. So we at, go up 3-2. At this point, Cam had come on as Cam a sub. Cam had come on as a sub a couple minutes before. It was not – he had not been out very long. Um, and it makes a decent pass. Um, I mean, a pretty simple pass, to be fair, to Jaime at the top of the box. And Jaime puts away a good goal. We'll go up 3-2. Yep. And uh, – <laughs> We now are in a position where we need to defend. We need to protect a lead. We need to get out of here against a great opponent with three points. We've we have played as the better team up until this point. We now need to close out a game. In extra time, two minutes into extra time, a ball is in the box, it's bouncing around, and Aiden Apodaca of Reno um, kicks it in, and they. They tie the game three. It was actually three. it was quite a good goal. Actually, it, it's pretty top corner. Like you can't look at Rafa and go. It's not. Yeah, it's better. not. Yeah, fair. Uh, you need to look at the way we we set a box and we defended um, because that ball is in the box. Like we are, we let that ball get to the place that it was in for Aiden to make a great shot. You know. Yeah, it's not Rafa's fault. It's it's the whole team. It's that that right there in that moment. You're up three two. You need to be a unit. You have to have a low block and to defend well. That's on the whole team. The fact that that ball got in where well, it was, and and somehow we were able to do it on Wednesday down a man, but we weren't able to yeah, do it on fair. Saturday exactly. eleven v eleven. I don't know if that's just because Reno's just a maybe just a better attacking. They team. are. They are a great team. This is a, this is a playoff team. This is a playoff contender. This is a good team, but you have like we were the better team. We are capable of doing that. We are capable of defending well and and having a low block and and defending with chemistry. You know, we're we're capable of doing that, and we didn't. Yeah, and honestly, maybe this game needed some Deco Keenan because Deco Keenan came on maybe. late in Orange County and immediately had like three clearances. Well, and like it, just took charge diving like and he'll talk. Yeah. He'll communicate. He's a guy that's going to communicate well. I think Hayden Sargis is a guy that's developing that. Has played so well, yeah, but is developing that veteran side of the game, that communication. Um yeah, I mean at the end of the game we have to be better. We have to be able to finish out games. Briggs words in the post match. I mean, he was he was distraught. You, I mean, he was he was upset. And at one point, I don't think it was Alicia Rodriguez. It was another reporter. Um, asked, maybe it was Alicia. I don't remember. Asked about, you know, kind of like, what did you say in the locker room after the game? And he basically was like, I didn't say much. I didn't really say anything at all. They need to. He said like they need to let this hurt. They need to. I I'm I want them to to feel this. 
Yeah. They need to feel this and basically said, we have to be able to finish out games. Yeah. And, and Alicia Rodriguez, by the way, is the writer for SB Nation site, uh, Herbs and Don, about in Don, yep, in Donville City Soccer. There we go. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, just in case you forgot who she was, but, um, I, I agree. I, I think with Briggs 100% there, like, yeah, everyone knew how big of a game this was. This uh-huh. was, effectively this was the game for first because reno has that game in hand yeah could it still play out that sack gets there yes but now you need help now you need reno to lose a game yeah and sacramento has to win out the odds of reno losing a game are very they do not play good teams and you're saying well wait a minute doesn't sacramento play reno in a couple weeks well yeah they do they'd win in a head-to-head or they'd win in a yeah tiebreaker they win so uh so if sacramento beats reno they still have a game in they still have that game in hand, right? So they, still, they could exactly still true. go. I I I think if well, my math so is right, what would happen is they have a game in hand. If we were to beat them and, and get three points, and they would have zero. Okay, one win for us, a loss for them. That would still, if they win that game in hand, that would then tie us in the pool, and they and would points. win off of goal differential. Yes, we yeah. would be tied in points, and they would win off goal differential. And we can't catch their goal differential. They are 10 ahead of when us. When they're putting seven goals past that's teams not that happen. we're only doing you know, two to one, it's not going to happen. So that's why this game is huge, man. It hurts so much. It hurts, and it, it hurts too because we were the better team. We were definitely the better team, and Briggs said that. We deserved to win this game, mm-hmm. and we didn't. Now, okay, all right, all right. We've done, okay, yep. that's enough. We've talked about the negative things. I don't want to talk about the <laughs> There's good talking points from yeah, this game. Yep. And let's get into them. Um, oh, man, where do I even start? There. So last year, let me take you back to last year just to start this. Right now, as, as, we, as we sit on the table currently in 2020, we are, if things were normal and there was no pool play, we are tied for third in the conference. Last year, we found ourselves in this position, a couple games left in the regular season, around that area. Not even I don't even think we were in third. No, we, we were lower. We were lower going, hey, we're playing better than we actually are. We're, we're, we're somehow coming up with wins when we're not really playing that well. This year, this year in 2020, we're sitting here going, we were the better team. We can play better. And we're tied for third in the conference, and we're tied for first in our pool. That's encouraging, at least, mm-hmm. especially with a new coach that's been here for only a dozen games. He's been here a dozen regular season games. It's encouraging. I mean, you can see the identity that he wants us to play with. There's, We're at a point where we are the better team. We are a contender. There's good things there. Belmar. And we've and we've alluded to this a couple times. Belmar in this game, like I just want to give you some stats. So against Reno, Belmar had two assists. Um, he had an assist against OC, so three assists in three halves. He had six chances created. Now I've gone through. I went through today. Went through all the games we've played this year. Awasa in that position has had a couple times a games where he has had three chances created. That's the most chances he's created in a game, three. He's had that a couple times. The most a player, a Sacramento player, has had this year in one game is is Sam Warner with five. He had that August 8th against Timbers 2. He had five chances created. This game, Belmar, had six. Six chances created. 
two assists came off of that, and he had four key passes. His ability to to hold up play in that striker spot and to cause havoc for the Reno center backs was apparent, was very good in this game. And it's something that we haven't seen from Cam. But it's something that that caused, I mean, that right there, his hold-up play and his decision to make that pass to Formella, amazing goal. Mm-hmm. That's huge in a game like this. He also, um, causing that havoc for those center backs, um, caused three fouls. There was three fouls on him. Um, and it was, I mean, it was, I felt like I finally saw Belmar in his rightful position. I don't think he's a winger. He said in the post-match that he's comfortable in both spots. I, I don't agree with him. I But I do think he thrived and he is ideally fitted to that striker role. And it doesn't mean he has to score all the time. He can do what he's been doing. Lay balls off, distribute, um, and put our wingers in great spots to score goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now I'm, I'm just looking up um, the shots for... Uh, uh, for Belmar here, and it's it is. Let me just make sure this is the right. Yep. Okay. Carlton Belmar, ninety minutes played, three shots, one on target, and again, he he. That's not crazy, but like, can you go back to a game where Cam had three shots? Yeah. <laughs> Fair. No, like it yeah. doesn't. It hasn't happened recently, and he he only put one on target. But he put it on target. So, it with his chance created, plus you know his, his own shots, his movement. I I agree. Again, I want to temper the expectation here. He's not Thomas Edvoldson from last year. No, it's a different caliber player. No, agreed. Yeah. But I think just because of his form, I'm not even saying his skill. I'm just saying because of his form, he's yeah. better for the team right now than Cameron Awasa. Now. Maybe this is just the wake-up Cam needs. He comes on as a sub this game against Tacoma and scores a brace. He's got two goals, and you're like, oh, okay, well, thanks for making this difficult. Maybe he does it again. Maybe maybe he's got three goals in these last yeah. four games as a sub, and you go, you know what? He's actually playing a lot better. I'm not saying he's going to start the rest of the year, but maybe I'm just saying it's the wake-up he's needed because the past few years, it's there's been nobody else but Cam. Yeah, well, right? he, the past few years, he's been the X factor. Yeah. We've looked at games and gone... The games that we have Cam are games that we win, and when Cam's not there, we lose games. That He has been the X factor for us multiple times in the last couple of years. But as it stands right now, Belmar is playing his position better. And though, again, the way that that Briggs structures this 4-2-3-1, Belmar doesn't have to be scoring goals all the time. He can. We talked last week, actually, about... Um, the Roberto Firmino role at Liverpool. He's not a guy that scores a ton of goals, but he doesn't mm-hmm. need to score a ton of goals. He has a supporting cast uh, where, you know, he yeah, he doesn't have to do that. He can be an assist guy like Belmar has been doing. He's got a three assists in two games. He can do that. We have player Formella. When Formella is able to finish, he's good. <laughs> when yeah. Sam finally scored... It seemed to really kind of get the monkey off his back. Had a great game. 
there's players on this team that can score. Belmar doesn't have to be that guy if he's somebody that's distributing well and holding up play well and with his big body causing havoc for center backs. We might finally be seeing games where we're scoring more than one goal. <laughs> um, so that's Belmar. I do also want to just touch on Formella as well. Formella had a goal. He had 12 recoveries in this game. He had three interceptions, three key passes, yeah. three chances created himself. He himself created three chances. Had a great game. It was I, He was distraught after the game. Um, to lose that was heartbreaking. You could tell. He had an amazing game. Jaime again. Jaime showed really well. I I love Jaime. I love his playing style. Mm-hmm. He fits so well with who we have. Um, to have that kind of his, he's just a great six. He's a great defensive midfielder. Um, that core of who he is to make the simple pass and to make things happen quickly. Um, there's a lot of good talking points here, and yeah. and it's encouraging to see rolling in towards. You know, getting close to playoffs here. It's encouraging to see. Yeah, and I I think it's also good. Um, just from the the optic of the opposing team, you know, where before it's like, oh, okay, well, we don't really have to worry about Sacramento scoring. Well, now you kind of do. I mean, there was a period of time where we didn't we didn't score a lot from open play. It was set pieces. It was uh, own goals and penalties and stuff like that. Where now it's like, okay, Sacramento in the past three games has seven goals from open play. Yeah. That's pretty good. So I, I mean, I, I think, yes, this is a draw. It's heartbreaking how it happened. Yeah. Moral victories don't really count. (laughs) Yeah. But they kind of, it kind of does like it counts if we can cash in on them. Exactly. In the next coming games. And and in, as we go into playoffs. Yeah. So, um, just a, a a couple of lineup things. Um, no, still no nothing from Tom Thomas Hilliard Arce. Yeah, uh, not, not even, even in the eighteen. Yeah, not in the eighteen. Uh, a little bit surprised to not see. Um, yep, Shannon Gomez. There you go. Not start one of these games, but he did come in as a sub. He did concede the penalty in the second half, but again, that was fifty fifty. Um, and then. Both the young kids, uh, Juju and Panagos, the goal scorers from a week ago against yeah. Portland Timbers 2, they apparently were both hurt for Wednesday, and then just Panagos was hurt. But then Juju was Juju, on the bench, didn't Juju come Juju was in. on the bench, didn't come so, in. So don't hit the panic alarm. It, they're not just one and done. They're young. Like, yeah. They're young. They will come back. They will get minutes eventually. Yeah. Maybe not this season. Who knows? But hopefully they will. The last thing I just wanted to touch on was you know heading into Tacoma – a team that you are now really expecting to win against and not just win, but to like pretty well dominate. Now that you've got your lineup figured out, I think uh, this game at home, I'm just going to put it out there in the universe. Okay. Might be a bit of a trap game. Mm. And, And this is why, okay. Tacoma just lost. Portland got their first win. This was last week or on Wednesday or whatever it was. They maybe have a few more players from the first team now getting more and more involved. They've gotten a bit acclimated. You're Sacramento. You're now thinking ahead to next week's game against Reno at Reno. Yeah. A big game. 
you might not be thinking a lot about Port or uh, about Tacoma right now. You might be thinking you might be thinking Tacoma, about this past weekend right. and next weekend. You you might be thinking they're the Tacoma middle schoolers. We're actually playing pretty well these past couple games. We now have goal scoring options uh, starting and on the bench. We've got young guys. We've got our defense figured out. We have a goalie plan. You might be thinking all of these things. You might be looking at this film against Reno going, we should have won this game. Let's do it in Reno. And you're not thinking about Tacoma. I- I'm sorry, but like mentally the team has been up and down this year. This this could very well happen. I just I just want to put it out there. Like, Don't be surprised if you don't see the same team against Tacoma. That, that's all I'm saying. I, I still think they'll win. Or at least have a good chance of winning, but don't be surprised if it's maybe not quite the result we're expecting. Yep, I think that's fair. Anything else uh, for Tacoma, Zach? Before we get out of here? No, we've talked enough about Tacoma. You know, I think to end, I will say I've liked the way I, I like I like what I've seen from Coach Briggs um, through this season. I liked what I saw in that post-match press conference. I just think he's a good leader. He's a good leader. He's a good soccer mind. He's good for young guys. Um, I'm starting to really kind of get behind him, which is nice because we haven't had a coach we can can get behind in a couple of years. So, um, yeah, it, it's a tough, it's heartbreaker, it's all these things, but there's a lot of good talking points. Briggs is definitely one of them. Yep. All right, well... That is going to be it for us this week. We'll be back next week with the review of that Tacoma game, also with some talking points for Reno coming up. And then after that, uh, there's what, Portland. And is that it? Is there only three games left? or is there? I thought there was four. Uh, we have – hang on, I have it right here. Pull it up. Tacoma. Oh, that's not what I want. Tacoma, Reno, Tacoma again, Portland – and that's a season. That's what it is. So we're Tacoma home, Reno away, Tacoma away, Portland home. That's the regular season for you. Again, I'm thinking this is going to be a good game. Uh, hopefully we're able to go. We'll see what happens. And we'll be back next week. So as always, glory, glory. Sacramento. Sacramento.